Hello, and welcome to another episode of Quilt Buzz, the podcast featuring your favorite folks from across the quiltverse. I'm Amanda of Broadcloth Studio, and I'm joined by Anna of Wax and Wayne Studio. Hi, everyone. Wendy, the weekend quilter. Hey. And our special guest, Laura of Quilt Fort Co. Hello. Now, before we jump into all the quilty fun today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Laura? Sure. I live Right now I'm living outside Boulder, Colorado, but I grew up in central Illinois, so I'm definitely a Midwesterner. I've been married for almost 16 years, and I have two kids, two boys, five and seven years old. I consider myself a quilt artist and a teacher, and I occasionally blog, and I occasionally write patterns. I like the occasional qualifier. (laughs) (laughs) There's no schedule. (laughs) Now that we know a little bit more about you, could you tell us the story behind your Instagram handle? Sure. Actually, my Instagram handle recently changed just late fall last year. And prior to that, it was a combination of my name and a misspelled word. So it was really, (laughs) it was really, and my name is hard to spell anyway. So it was really hard for people to know who I was or find me. So I decided that I needed to change it to something that was easier to remember because I was officially entering into the quilt industry. And so I just I decided on Quilt Fort Co or Quilt Fort Company um, because every time I leave the house, my kids tear apart the furniture and get all the quilts off of my shelves and build forts. So I just went with it. Quilt Fort Co. <laughs> That's perfect. Was the original name, was the misspelling intentional or was it like something you realized six months into having it as your handle? Oh no, it was intentional. Okay, (laughs) It was intentional to match the spelling of my last name, but since nobody knows how to spell my last name anyway, then it became kind of a tripping hazard. (laughs) (laughs) It must've been pretty frustrating to have to explain or spell it out every single time someone tried to search you on Instagram. Right. And a lot of times it happened in print, so then people could find it, but it wasn't easy to remember. Mm. So tell us more about your quilting journey. So how did it all begin? Oh, gosh. I learned to sew as a small child. So my mom taught me how to sew. Probably I was about seven years old, but we started learning with garment sewing. So I did a lot of garment sewing when I was a kid. And then when I was a teenager, I actually went to the state fair for 4-H with a garment. And the girl that came with me from the same county, she talked about quilting the whole time. And I was like, I could quilt. She can quilt. So can I. So I went home and I made a quilt. And because I was a garment sewer, every single seam I sewed I backstitched at the front and the back side oh. of it, every single seam. <laughs> and it was a queen size quilt. <laughs> you must and, went through a lot of thread then. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, it was my mom's, it was my mom's notions. So I didn't really care how much I used. Right? <laughs> uh, but that was, that was when I started quilting as a teenager. And then I 
have always quilted since then. And, you know, as my friends started getting married, I made quilts for their weddings. And as they started having babies, I made baby quilts. And I actually, my degree is in interior design. And so I was working at an architecture firm and I, and this is early mid aughts. And so I (laughs) found a lot of inspiration from interior design, surface design. And I was rejecting a lot of traditional quilting styles, which I think was happening globally at the time, right at the very beginning of the modern quilt movement. And so I didn't really like traditional quilts, but I didn't know what kind of quilter I was at the time. And then I gradually like decided, oh yeah, quilting is the thing I want to do. So that's, that's kind of how I got to where I am today. And I definitely consider myself a modern quilter now. Stake in the ground. (laughs) (laughs) So when you, um, when you decided you'd quilt after that um, infamous state fair, did you like pick up books? Did you go to your local quilt shop? Like, Sounds like as a pretty precocious sewer, early young sewer. How did you kind of sort through and figure out quilting? So my mom, I remember going to a quilt guild meeting with her when I was really little, maybe six years old, seven or I mean, eight at most. So I always thought she was a quilter. (laughs) because she was a member of a quilt guild. Well, apparently now as an adult, I've learned she did it for about a year when I was a child. She now is also a quilter, just like I am now. Um, But back then she had just quilt books and things on our bookshelf. So I pulled a book about Japanese quilts and it had a pinwheel quilt design. Of course, I didn't follow the pattern in the book because that's just my MO. I just made it up. Um, But that was how I made the first quilt. Yeah. So did your mom just keep going to these quilt guild meetings for fun? Um, I think she was truly had an interest in it. And like I said, now she is also a quilter. It was just, you know, when you have small kids, there's only so much so many hobbies you can have. Um, so for our listeners that aren't familiar with work or maybe not following you on Instagram, can you tell us um, or describe to us more about your quilting style? Sure. I, I definitely identify as a modern quilter, but I think that my designs fall more in the postmodern design space. I'm a maximalist quilter. Uh, I love bright colors and high contrast and lots of texture and layers within quilts. So maximalism. And Pink. I love pink. I think I put pink in every quilt I'm making right now. So is this that's... because you don't have girls in the like? Um, I think when my kids were really little, like infant toddler age, I had this thought that I had to make blue and red quilts. And then all of a sudden I was like, well, that's sort of silly because even though they're boys, they like pink and purple and I love pink. So why not put pink in? And I've realized over time that every time I put pink in a quilt or a quilt block, it's, I love it even more. So I've just gone with it. Do you have a favorite shade of pink that you're drawn to? I think the pink that makes me the happiest is like a hot pink, like a really bold, bright, hot pink. That sounds like fun. (laughs) Yeah, I can see Wendy like her, her, her wheels are spinning me like, how can I use more pink? <laughs> <laughs> so you've studied and practiced both interior design and photography. Do you find that both of those uh, influence your quilting at all? I definitely think 
both interior design and photography have influenced my quilting. And as I mentioned earlier, in the beginning of my sort of exploration of non-traditional quilts, interior design was where I drew a lot of inspiration from. Now, that's not happening as much now because I'm not actively working as an interior designer anymore. But as far as photography goes, I always strive to make a quilt that photographs well, especially since a lot of how people see our work is through social media, which is all photographs and videos. And I'm definitely a believer in if you want to take a better photo, stand in front of something prettier. <laughs> so my goal is always to make it photogenic, I guess, is the good description of my quilts. <laughs> Do you have any tips for like um, what makes a quilt photogenic? Oh, what makes a quilt photogenic? I think it's personal preference, really. But for me, I love high contrast and bright, bold colors. And that's, you know, it's really kind of like, I'm also drawn to accounts that use soft colors because it's so opposite of what I'm doing. Um, I use, I think I use a lot of warm colors because I do have a lot of pink in my quilts. So I'm also drawn to accounts that use a lot of cool colors. Um, just because it's something different to look at. And although I might not ever make a quilt that's in cool tones or soft colors, I find inspiration for my own work looking at that. I guess your original question was, how do you make a quilt photogenic? <laughs> um, make what you like and you'll probably like the photo. I don't know. Sometimes I think I make some ugly quilts and not ugly in like a cool way. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> no, back to your comment about like, you know, having photos doing photogenic and just like that. I think because Instagram and Pinterest, like the way that we sort of digest that information is you know, looking at photos and scrolling and what makes us stop is actually the picture itself. So I think it's really important to have, you know, it being photogenic, but something that pops out um, and, you know, color combinations or maximalist or high contrast, or even just like you said, like really simple, like neutral colors, they go really well on Instagram. And I think, like I said, it's just pretty important to think about that um, when you're taking photos. Yes. And that was a challenge with virtual quilt shows this year mm. is that, it's so different viewing a quilt in person at a quilt show versus viewing yes. it in photo form. You don't, it, it reads totally differently. I think it's a completely different art form, photography and photography of quilts versus actual quilting and viewing the stitches in a quilt. Yeah, I totally agree with you because I remember going to my first quilt con show and seeing the quilts up close and in person is just completely different to seeing on a screen because you don't see all the details and all that, you know, stitching and texture. Know, texture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you don't even see, you know, whether it's pressed open or to the dark side, um, <laughs> little things like that. <laughs> Why does that make I, you mad, Amanda? You guys know how I feel. She's shaking. <laughs> because Wendy threw down the gauntlet, telling me that I suck at, which I do, at pressing seams open. So, Wendy. Mm -mm. You do. We're <laughs> <laughs> referring to episode, is it 25? Yeah. 25. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. No, I think I think you're totally right. I think the the way that people discover quilts now 
or quilters and quilting is through photography, which to your point, Laura, it's very different from being in person and seeing the artistry up close. I love the idea of having a more hyper-connected world where you discover quilters you wouldn't otherwise, but I wonder also how many fall by the wayside just because their photography skills aren't great, mm-hmm. you know, and like mm-hmm. how many people are, I don't, like are just kind of on the sidelines because it's just not, that's not their strong suit. Their strong suit Or is they're not quilting. even on social media. Or yeah, yeah. we've had that discussion a lot yeah. too. It's And my feeling is that the, best camera to use is the camera that you have. So if all you have is your cell phone, just take lots of photos and eventually you'll get photos that you like and that other people like. Yeah. I think it's getting to know your camera and your device. Mm -hmm. And you know, with the camera cameras on our phone these days are pretty damn good that you can't even tell (laughs) the difference between whether it's shot with a DSLR camera or an iPhone. Well, I can tell the difference, but I have professional t- photography. <laughs> <laughs> there are True. very, very good, and there's a lot of accounts out there that are t- only using cell phone images, and they're great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so speaking about photography, do you have any tips for our listeners? Um, the best tip is use the camera that you have and practice. It's just like anything. The more you practice, the better you're going to get. Um, the biggest tip as far as... Once you've taken the photo is even on your cell phone, there's third-party apps you can use to edit your photos. And the biggest thing is photos are almost always underexposed. So the key is to look at the whites and to bring them up to be actually white instead of gray. And then you'll just have a better photo that way. And they create nice contrast as well when you increase the whiteness. That's yes. what I noticed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Lightroom is great for that, um, you know, yes. the ability to do that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so you touched on earlier the difference of seeing quilts in person versus um, on social media through photographs and how that made QuiltCon this year different. Um now, I know that you were a pretty active participant in Virtual QuiltCon. Can you kind of tell us how the show was? Um, so I was definitely active in the show, and I definitely attended the show and scoured the show page of quilts for, you know, the days that it was available to us. Unfortunately, I was not able to take any classes, and I did not attend any lectures. I wish I would have been able to. Um, I know that it was such a beast and burden for the MQG to translate everything into virtual. And I would not have wanted that job. Um, And I think that they did an excellent job. And I think going forward, we're all hoping that there's some virtual element to future quilt cons. Did you, you Photoshopped yourself you photoshopped your quilts I did. into last year's picture. <laughs> I are, did. I, when I saw that, I I think I did a spit take. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> I think a lot of people did a double take, yeah. <laughs> they all commented, I thought I missed something. <laughs> it was secret quilt con. It was good. We're going to add that photo in the show notes. Mm. Talking about quilt con, a couple of highlights for you were receiving second place in modern traditionalism and third place in the Group B quilt category. Can you tell us more about those quilts? Sure. Uh, It was such an honor. It's 
always an honor to receive an award at QuiltCon because I think as far as quilt shows go, it's kind of a risk because you don't know what the judge is going to choose. It's it's very subjective. So it's it was definitely a risk for me to put those quilts into the show. And then you just cross your fingers and hope they get picked. <laughs> and then it's kind of a surprise if you get a, a ribbon or not. But uh, the finger paints quilt, which is the bear paw and it's an improv. That was the modern traditional quilt and it is all ruler free improv pieced and it's a bear paw block. So it's a, it's a classic block and I just put a modern twist on it with how I used color and texture and how I pieced it together using the improv technique. And for the social distancing quilt, which is the group quilt. We just passed our one year anniversary for quarantine. And I put out the call the first day that my kid's school was canceled. And it was well received. I think we were all going through the same thing. Like what is going on? You know, we're being told don't, don't, don't even socialize with your next door neighbor, things like that. So that's kind of how that one came about. So after you put out the um, the call for submissions to the block, um, how did you end up coordinating the project? Do you have any like tips or tricks for somebody who's kind of thinking maybe to replicate? So I heavily relied on the Instagram quilt community for that quilt. Uh, I did I did also post the call on my blog, but I don't get a ton of traffic over there, and it's not like a daily. You know, you can see what's going on unless you visit my website every day. <laughs> um, so I, I relied on Instagram and I put out the call and I did it on my personal account, but I also have been lucky enough to collaborate with the guilds on the front range in Colorado. And so I have contacts and friends within those guilds. So I, I sent my call to those guilds. And I said, can you share this? Because I know they could reach their members, but they could also reach other people who don't necessarily follow me. And I was so impressed that I had 47 participants. Wow. That's awesome. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty fun. And I feel like I'm like the keeper of their stories from the first few weeks of quarantine, because a lot of the blocks came with notes about where they got their inspiration from or why they made the block the way they made it. And so I've kind of like have this like treasure of stories in this quilt that I was able to compile them all together and, and make it a show quilt. That's really cool. Is yeah. there a place where we're able, I mean, some of these notes might be really personal, but is there a place where we could preview them or, no. <laughs> I didn't think to, you know, and I should have typed them all up and then asked the contributors if it was okay to share, but I did not do that. So no, I just have them in a box in my storage closet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should um, share that sometime on your it blog. Be like that'd the, be really cool. Like the one year anniversary or something. <laughs> I have shared. And when the quilt was in the show for QuiltCon, I did, I was able to record some audio. And so I did share a couple of the shorter stories, you know, um, that I felt weren't necessarily as private as some of the 
struggles that people went through or were willing to reach out and share with me via their blocks. So, mm. so do you have any quilting goals for this year? I do have some goals. I have way too many goals for this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, last year, I knew that I was going to step into the quilting industry. So I set a pretty realistic goal of trying to release four patterns, which I did, but you know, pandemic. So it was all delayed. And I did them all in November and December last year in 2020. So for 2021, I have a more a goal of spacing it out a little bit more, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm currently right in the middle of releasing a series of patterns that I'm referring to as beyond the basics. So I think there's a lot of quilters and quilt pattern designers right now that are doing an amazing job writing patterns for beginner quilters, especially since a lot of people came into quilting from the pandemic when we were all said stay home and people dusted off their sewing machine. They're like, I need a hobby. I'm going to start quilting. And so there's a lot of resources out there for people who want to start quilting or are at the beginner level. And so my goal with the Beyond the Basics series is to give something to those confident beginners, you know, people who've been sewing or quilting for two years or five years, and they've, they're kind of over the whole, just like following instructions for a beginning pattern. And they want to experiment with something like improv, but they don't quite know where to start because it's kind of intimidating to look at an improv project and think I have to come up with all those ideas. <laughs> so the goal of the series is to develop confidence for skills that might seem complicated. Now I think everybody can do it, even if you've never made a quilt before, but I think that confidence is all you need. So that's one of my major projects for the year. Um, I am planning on patterning finger paints <laughs> it's kind of been a carrot that I've dangled out there for quite some time, but it's pretty complicated. And when I do pattern it, it will be um, measured and ruler cut as opposed to my show quilt, which is ruler free and improv pieced. Because as far as writing a pattern goes, giving instructions for measuring and cutting with rulers is definitely an easier way to translate. So it'll really focus more on color placement and making it look very similar to my original show quilt. And then from there, I hope to offer workshops on how to interpret a traditional block, like a bear paw block or something like that, into a ruler-free improv situation. So I have got a lot, I've got a lot of ideas in my head of what I want to do this year. <laughs> Sign me up. It sounds, <laughs> that sounds really interesting. Like, yeah. yeah. I definitely don't have enough hours in each day to get done what I want to get done. <laughs> I think it's really cool to target that like two to five years of sewing mm -hmm. um, experience. Yeah. Right. Because Where I... I feel like they maybe want a little bit more hand-holding. They want a guideline still, but in order to step into something like improv or being able to select your color palette with confidence, they they definitely need the guideline still. Um, but anybody can do it. I think the, yeah, I think building confidence. I feel like there are some times when patterns, I'm like, well, someone, can someone make the assumption and like just go with their gut? 
Like that's kind of where I think it's between an intermediate and a beginner. Like right. does someone have that gut built up or are they just fear? There are some people who are just fearless when it, when it comes to sewing. <laughs> Which is, yeah, I wish I, I mean, that's amazing. I wish everybody would have that confidence, but the reality is people who haven't been doing it for forever want a little bit more buildup than that. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Um, it's time to move on to our rapid fire quilty questions. Are you ready, Laura? I'm ready. Okay. Wendy, why don't you kick us off? Sure. So what is your favorite time of day to quilt? Mid-morning. Where do you sew? In my basement. Do you wear shoes while sewing? No, just socks. Music, Netflix, podcast, or the sounds of silence? Most of the time silence because it's my time away from the kids. Oh, I understand that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you... If you choose to not go with silence, do you have favorite podcasts or music or movie that you're enjoying right now? I do listen to music, just kind of whatever I choose. I don't know. I like country country music, which is like maybe not everybody's favorite. (laughs) Uh, Favorite snack while quilting? I don't eat. I'm not coordinated enough to not make a mess. Fair enough. Uh, favorite traditional block? Rocky Mountain Puzzle. What's your favorite color? Teal or pink or maybe gray. <laughs> <laughs> I can't pick a favorite. <laughs> What's your favorite brand of solids? I use, my favorite is Michael Miller Cotton Couture. And what color fabric do you use the most? The most often I use gray. Uh, do you prefer solids or prints? Both. Everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who is your favorite fabric designer? Uh, I love the Ladies of Ruby Star Society. Uh, I have a soft spot when We Gallery puts out a line with Dear Stella. I have to keep an eye out for that. Yeah, I have to check that out. I feel like they're maybe a little bit juvenile, but it's it's usually black and white prints which is maybe not something I use regularly, but I love them. (laughs) So what is the last fabric you bought? Uh, I bought a stack of fabric, um, solids, linens, wovens in greens, grays, and hot pinks. What is your favorite quilt shop? My favorite quilt shop is called Trilotta, and that's in Denver, Colorado. How do you organize your fabrics? Like color, designer, size, print, solids? All of it. (laughs) I I use all of it. So I organize some of them by designer. I organize some by type, novelties or blenders or solids. Um, Most of them are organized then within their category in color order. My solids and my wovens are not in color order because I pull from them too often to keep them neat. (laughs) What sewing notion couldn't you live without? My leather thimble. What's your favorite ruler size? Eight and a half inch or three and a half inch square. What thread brand do you use? I piece with Aurifil 50 weight. I machine quilt with Sulky Cotton and Steel Line 50 weight. And I hand quilt with Perlate Cotton from Finca or Valdani. 
Uh, do you have a pressing preference? Open. Pick one. HSTs, curves, or flying geese? Half square triangles. Machine or hand quilt? Both. On the same quilt. Machine or hand bind? Hand bound. Spray, pin, or thread based? Spray based. Pre-wash or not pre-wash? <laughs> Never pre-wash. Oh, you're killing me, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> My kind of gal. <laughs> What's your favorite part of the quilting process? Piecing. What is your least favorite part? Marking the quilt design. What's one bad quilting habit you wish you could give up? Striving for perfection. Who's your quilty BFF? I don't have just one. Everybody in my guild, probably. Who is your quilty crush? Annabelle Wrigley, Little Pincushion Studio. Oh, oh yeah. yes. That's so cool. I love her stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite recent make? Definitely finger paints. How many quilts are in your whip pile right now? Two that need quilted, two long-term piecing projects, and a few patterns that I'm writing, hopefully, to release later in the spring. Where do you store your whips? Everywhere. Bins, <laughs> design wall. Does your kids turn them into quilt forts as well? No, they're not allowed to touch quilts until they're completely finished. <laughs> there are they know, rules. <laughs> they know the rules. It has to be all the way bound before they can touch it. <laughs> yeah, I was also going to ask, do they play the floor is lava with your quilts? Oh, yeah. Well? Yeah. <laughs> they build little stepping stones. And... Oh, my God. Cute. <laughs> so cute. Um, so do you have any other hobbies? I run and I bike. Do you uh, road biking or mountain biking? Uh, so it's right now because my kids are small. It's really just like neighborhood biking, adventures around the neighborhood. Yep, <laughs> bike gang. <laughs> yeah, bike gang. Yeah, <laughs> I make quilt coats. Bike gang quilt coats. That would oh, be cute. oh, <laughs> that would be awesome. And if you can't do a coat, you can just have a cape. Oh, yeah. a cape! My kids yeah. would definitely love a cape. Yeah, mine too. Then you think of the Incredibles, and capes can get you into bad situations. Oh, good point. Especially mm -hmm. bike spokes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that got dark quick. Um, <laughs> so uh, on that note, we've got just a couple more questions for you. First up is, uh, who are three accounts you think everyone should be following, and why? And why? Uh, I really am inspired right now by quilters who view their quilts as their art right now. So the accounts that I'm going to recommend are all artists who are practicing quilting as their art form. Trisha Royal, and she's at Bits and Bobbins. Emily Watts, Emily Watts Quilts. It's Emily spelled right. And then W-A-T-T-S. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And then this one I might butcher, Drew Steinbrecher, Brecher, Drew, D-R-E-W, S-T-E-I-N-B-R-E-C-H-E-R. But they have, they all have like bright, bold colors, interesting ideas, um, definitely viewing their quilts as their art. It's very inspiring. Cool. And before we sign off, do you have any fun projects on the horizon that you can share with us? Um, I kind of already shared that I'm in the middle of the Beyond the Basics pattern series, and I am 
hoping to do a pattern for finger paints in the near future. <laughs> um, and then the workshops associated with that one to try to encourage people to experiment with improv and ruler-free improv uh, by translating that pattern into that. Uh, I definitely am inspired right now to create series of quilts. So on the lines of finger paints, traditional blocks uh, with a modern twist with ruler-free improv. I'm hoping to do more of those. And a quilt that's a little bit older for me, which is my more is more quilt, which is circle applique. I do want to do more circle applique quilts. And I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to hopefully create some smaller original art pieces. Uh, I did step into offering fine art prints of my finger paints quilt, which was fun and, and well received. So hopefully more of that and more original art too. We need to wrap today up and we hope that you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to contact any of us, we can be found most easily on our Instagram accounts. I'm at Broadcloth Studio, Wendy, I am the dot weekend quilter. Anna. I am at Wax and Wayne Studio. And Laura. At Quilt Fort Co. Or you can go to our podcast account at quilt.buzz or our website quiltbuzzpodcast.com for our previous episodes and updates on upcoming guests. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we hope that you subscribe to the show and tell your quilty friends about us too. And if you have a moment to share what you love by writing a review on your podcast provider of choice, we'd be thrilled. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. 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 Bye.